You're listening to Pleasure Principles, an art and self-discovery podcast. I'm your host, Toby Ewing, aka Beauty as a Metaphor. Pleasure Principles is an experimental, artist-led podcast and storytelling platform and community discussing art-making, self-care, and self-discovery practices from world-building, visionary artists like us. episode 17 of Pleasure Principles. I am super excited as always, but I'm super excited because if you've been listening to the past episodes, at least the past two or three, you know it's been mainly me um, because of the move we had this summer. I've just been taking some time to settle in and I haven't yet had um, an artist or a creative back on the podcast uh, since our last conversation with Dana. So I'm super excited because today I'm not alone. I'm here with an artist friend who has so many dope projects to share about and I think you all will enjoy them very much. So I'm gonna go into their bio and then we will go from there. So Brie Hope is a Dayton area filmmaker and animator with a passion for racial justice. She currently hosts Baby Biscuit Town, an Afrocentric variety show on Dayton public access television and online. A self-described show for brown ladies and marginalized folk, focusing on the unfiltered voices of the people. Currently, Brie is focused on finishing season two of Baby Biscuit Town, and hoping to include more original animations on the street segments, some roundtable discussions for future dis- future sessions or seasons. And they also plan to collaborate with local filmmakers on new projects next year. You can follow Brie at baby underscore biscuit underscore town on Instagram. And without further ado, here they are. Let's cop it up for Brie. Thank you so much. What a in, what an intro. And <laughs> I am so honored to be on the program today. I'm really excited. I'm glad that you asked me. And yeah. I am super excited to have you too. I remember, I think I first um, became aware of you and your projects when you all were promoting the screening that you had at the Neon. And just through, um, I think through like Mariah's post and just she was tagging the other artists that were going to be um, contributing to that and, you know, created that whole event, which was amazing. If there's anybody who was there, you know, um, it was very moving and just very communal and a lot of fun. We also laughed, we cried. It was a lot of emotions and it was a really good time. Um, yeah. So just from people sharing your uh, Instagram via that way. I came across Baby Biscuit Town and your videos and I was like, this is effing amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I was so happy. I was like, yay. I love like just black ass weird shit and it was everything and more. And I was just like, this is dope. I have to um, stay connected and just continue to follow this because I thought your work was so cool and different and um, interesting and funny, but also thought provoking. Um, I love it. So 
I'm going to stop talking for a second so that you can introduce <laughs> yourself and kind of say in your own words, you know, who you are, what you're about, what's your thing and anything else you would like to share. Awesome. Listen, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, uh, my name is Bree. I'm an artist. Uh, I love editing video. I like, you know, consider myself a filmmaker, animator. I'm really interested in things like anime and you know, like you said, Baby Biscuit Town is very different. So things that are quirky or awkward or sort of off are things that really compel me. Um, and that's what I wanted to try and include in the show was just to have like a different sort of voice. Like weird black shit is another great term, I feel like, <laughs> because it's definitely, it's just supposed to be, you know, <laughs> yeah, like just, just slightly off of center. And I try and like lean into that, which is, which I already feel all the time, which is like out of place. So I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna be that 100%. And so that's definitely what the show is about. Um, we do things, we do interviews, there are sketches, there are little animated interludes. Um, eventually, like you mentioned, I wanna get on the street and put like mics to faces and ask people questions on the street or do like round table discussions. I just, I'm, I'm interested in it being, um, very just to incorporate the voices of the marginalized and to get a sense of like what are those people who don't often get to speak what do they have to say yeah. so yeah oh that's super dope I didn't realize it's going to be like street take it to the streets I love that. <laughs> take that's it to the streets like even like cooler element and layers to what you're already doing um and I think that will flow very well into what you're doing because it is I get this feeling of obviously this is you know, well thought out, but it has, like you said, that offbeat kind of awkward kind of um, surprise factor to it. And so I think that would be really dope. I look forward to seeing that. Absolutely. Um, so the first question I always start out with is what is your earliest memory of finding yourself um, in similar or to the work that you're doing today? So finding yourself in creativity, finding yourself in uh, interviewing your friends or talking to your friends or maybe uh, playing make-believe or um, finding humor, like finding pleasure and creativity and humor. Um, yeah, when did you recognize that was home for you? And what was maybe one of the earliest memories that you can think of where Little Bree was like, I kind of like this thing of humor or conversation or anime or film? Hmm, okay, that is an excellent question. I feel like really early on, just as a child, I was very dramatic or sort of theatrical. I would just like take on these characters, um, you know, just like, just with my family, just playing around and messing around. It was always this sort of like character. Like my mom used to call me long-legged Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, just, I, that's kind of where I, I feel like I got that like three-part name, sort of a, this side character, somebody else I can embody because I myself am like very shy and reserved and a little like anxious or what have you. But like when I can embody a separate character, I feel like I can put my true self into that. And that's what I try and do with Baby Biscuit Town. Like there's Baby Biscuit McGee, that's the main character. I think of her as like, she's a child, but yeah. you know, she's a dreamer. She's just this big Afro-haired dreamer girl and I can remember like doodling in the margins, drawing this like puffy haired girl. And that's, I feel like who Baby Biscuit is. But then we have other characters like Little Happy Howie, 
who is like the awkward boy next door. We're, you're gonna see segments of him coming up shortly. And then we also have Baby Bun's Lil Freak, who's like the more mature adult and like, you know, it's a bit more risque. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I, I don't know. I just wanted to, to incorporate these characters in the show so I can feel um, most comfortable like releasing myself. But definitely at an early age, I was always being kind of theatrical, always kind of dramatic, making jokes. Um, I think around 2006, I started editing anime. I used to make AMVs. Okay. So that's what got me into like editing and, and just video production is, you know, just early YouTube watching Full Metal Alchemist and being like, I want to cut this to music. <laughs> so that's kind of how that started. And that's, I don't know, I always felt very comfortable in that because I feel like when you're editing something, you can get really meticulous and it's just very subtle, but just depending on how you do it, it's going to come out a totally different way. Um, uh, the, yeah, that's kind of like, I think, where those two things came is just like like that i think that's so cool i i love to start that start our conversations off with that question because um i think also one of the kind of under undertone missions with pleasure principles is to encourage adults to tap into their inner child and what they loved as a child um and using those conversations or those memories as like breadcrumbs or pathways to what they can pour into in the present. And, you know, a lot of times we have these, like how you share, everyone has so far has shared literally a story that they, something of what they enjoyed or that they were interested in as a kid that in many ways directly relates to what they're doing today. And I just love to see that. Um, and that's inspiring for me and I hope it's inspiring for others because as we become adults, we are in more than one ways kind of encouraged to drop that aside and to pick up something, um, whether it's more serious or whether it's not more serious, but something that's other than what we already like to do. And right. um, I think it's so important when we can kind of navigate ourselves through those mixed messages and still hear our inner voice through all of that to be like, I want to, I still enjoy doing this and I want to do this. And I have this new experience or this wisdom or this growth that I can add to this thing that I like. So it can still be in the room of make believe. And maybe at this age, I was make believing this. And now at this age, I'm make believing this other thing. But um, it feeds us in like so many ways, I think more than we realize and I think there's a resurgence of people especially artists and creatives really holding on to that thing that you know brought them joy as a as a kid as a as a young person absolutely um, what, what do they say the artist is the child that never grew up yeah so yeah that's I mean it's very powerful to ask that question because it helps me realize like hey I guess this is why I do this <laughs> Yeah, it, it is. I think it's, it was a question, it came up because it was a question that was helpful for me as I got comfortable with like leading as an artist. And it took a while for me to like even really identify with that word and feel confident and to feel like I was a real artist and all of that. And with me asking or kind of asking myself this question or reflecting on this question, it was, it came up that like in more than one way of you've been doing this, you've been enjoying this, um, and, and like tap back into that and like 
move past discouragement <laughs> and tap okay. into the thing that you like, that's true for you, that you've always enjoyed this thing. Um, so I wanna talk more about Baby Biscuit Town because as we just shared, it's a really dope show. If you all can take a moment to check out Bree's Instagram and just check out some of the clips. And also where else do you post your uh, content to? I know you said um, they in access television, but you said online, where, where online can they find it? You can find us on YouTube, Baby Biscuit Town. We're on Instagram and we're on Facebook, mostly. I might slip into TikTok, but we're, <laughs> we're working on it. I, but yeah please check out the episodes we've got season one season two just started it's taking me a little longer than I would have liked to finish editing it but but by the end of the year you're gonna get like a good five episodes uh for the second season and um yeah I I think like hmm the show when I made it I kind of was really inspired by things like the Eric Andre show uh okay Amber Ruffin show mm -hmm. and uh big comfy couch if you're familiar with that yes of course <laughs> <You're really> OG. <laughs> oh yeah because it's like i like for it to be playful light but then to have a certain commentary that's maybe more adult so it's that's mm -hmm. kind of the vibe we're going for and yeah we've got we've got interviews and segments I'm always just doing something different i'm trying to get consistent with some of the segments and everything and i feel like these first two seasons are kind of like the pilot seasons because we're not like 100 percent in there but i'm like always trying to grow it always trying to collaborate always trying to learn and build it up to be as, as great as it can be so how did you start baby biscuit town so you shared a little bit about your uh long leg lucy nickname as a kid and how you kind of grew an affection to the, the nicknames and three part nicknames and you always loved animation you started you talked about that um and characters so how did all of that over um the many years how did that come to a point where you were sitting wherever you were or talking to whoever you were talking to and was like baby biscuit town one is this character possibly the name of this show and I'm going to make a show. And this is what I think it could be and what I would like it to be. Yeah. The beginning, you know, moments. Oh, man. Okay, so it was a process because I didn't always think I'd do a television show. I always knew I wanted to, like, make films or videos and things. Um, again, I'll go back to the fact that, like, I was shy. So I don't think Brie Hope would be the star of anyone's show. Because I think Brie likes to be the crew and she likes to be behind the scenes and do the directing and everything. But when I made that character, I felt emboldened and like, okay, I'm going to come up here and be in front of the camera. It was, um, you know, just coming out of school, I went, to, I went to Sinclair College and I got a degree in technical theater. So that was a lot of fun. And then I went to Wright State for a little while and I was uh, studying motion picture production. Uh, I didn't quite finish that degree but it was it was a learning experience too and then coming off of that I was just like I'm always in school or working on someone else's projects or I have so many ideas and I don't have them displayed in any particular way you know so it's just like I hate to sit on my ideas and I have that problem now even but it's like I felt like baby biscuit town originally it was just called biscuit town and that was named after this king cruel song if you're familiar with that artist um it's yeah King Cruel. King Cruel, okay. King Cruel, but um, so he's just a really cool indie artist. He has an album called The Ooze and there's a song called Biscuit Town. 
And it's just for like jaded loner stoner people. And I really identified with that. So um, and I called it Biscuit Town. But then I was like, let's add the baby biscuit. Because again, coming back to like this little girl, I would doodle in my margins in all of my notebooks. It's just like this puffy haired little Afro girl who's a dreamer. She never gives up. She never stops dreaming, even when things feel like unrealistic or like unobtainable. She keeps going. And that's that was that character. I think it was, uh, I had a meeting with Christina Mendez of Irene Marie Consulting, and she had mentioned DATV to me and was like, you might get a membership there. And so I was like, okay. And I got a membership in 2019. And by 2020, I started the show because as, as a member, you're going to need to produce content if you want to like continue to use the facility. And so at first I didn't know what I wanted to like make or like what exactly I had some general notions, but it was like fleeting, but Eventually, I kind of just sat down and be like, we'll do interviews, we'll have little um, sketches, and we'll do animations and, and, you know, some sort of like combination of this into a show that's just very quirky and very different. And I was just like writing at work, working at the Neon, I would just like write little segments on scrap paper, on receipts, all sorts of things. And it just kind of developed from there. And I've really had the blessing and the help of some of the members at DATV. Um, my first ever guest was my brother, <laughs> you know, I interviewed him and yeah, it, it just kind of took off from there and it's still growing. It's definitely still growing. I still, I feel like because it's like public access, it's a little, it's low budget in nature already. So yeah. I just try and again, lean into that. And if it right. looks like, oh, that was a strange cut or like, that was a weird zoom, that's not in focus. I'm like, it's public access. Yeah. So <laughs> I try and like, just embrace it. I think that's very smart to to lean into that. I think leaning into like what you have available and using that to, you know, to add the the magic, to add the essence, to add kind of the thumbprint to what you're doing. Yeah. And it seems like like you said, your humor, um, like I'm a big fan of of sketch comedy, of dry humor, of just awkward tones to things, um, corny, you know, corny jokes and things like that so <laughs> yeah I, I think it's very smart to be like I already have this kind of approach in this humor I'm on this um this public access television show I think kind of what you were sharing with uh you not even ever really thinking that you would have a tv show that in itself is kind of like ironic in a sense so it's like let me just play this up and and let it add to you know your kind of strategy with your creative content um but so i want to go back on two things you mentioned which was so you worked at the neon is that yes yeah okay so how was that working at a independent um film uh or theater is it called a theater yeah okay yeah film theater um here in dayton and like was there something particular that maybe helped or add it to your process or just kind of the breadcrumbs like we were saying like to you getting into um your show or just other parts of your process I think it's been great working there in fact I'm actually going back there just like uh-huh. part-time they they needed some help and I was more than happy to come back because I kind of miss it it's really like a lot of fun honestly to work for a independent movie theater like like one of few in the area and everything like so I I think it's kind of like it's it's awesome um trying to think like how how 
it kind of informed the process. Um, if it did, and maybe it didn't, but maybe it was just like, was it nice being around independent filmmakers and, and just having access to independent movies and maybe, I don't know if there was like particular programming that the Neon did or just like collaborations and stuff. Um, Absolutely. I think you're right. It's like we do get a lot of just independent works coming through there. We get a lot of like short compilations and other things. And it is inspiring to see all these different types of movies and get a sense of like, OK, this is something I can make or, or you know. So that's definitely been really helpful in learning the craft. I think I'm especially drawn to um, Oscar animated shorts uh, every year around January, February. Yeah. That package is really inspiring for me because I, I did, I just, I grew up watching a lot of anime. I've always liked sort of cute sort of aesthetics. And um, I, I, I like animation because you can create worlds that like, you, you couldn't film someone doing that, you know, yeah. but yeah. you can like draw them and, and you can, you can create it that way. And it makes it so, I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's a great medium, I think, for me. It's always been really inspiring. And like some of my ideas, I think, are really captured well there. So I'm just, I'm, I'm still trying to learn it because I'm, I'm still using a lot of clip art and just like moving things around the screen real. But eventually I'm going to get to a place. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? No, I was, I was just thinking, I think how you're using it, though, is, is like benefiting your overall process because like you say, you're playing in into the quirks you're playing into the awkwardness you're playing into the quirks you're playing into the low budget nature and so that kind of is working to your advantage as you figure out these maybe uh, like uh more like other higher technical softwares and things to use you know like yeah you know that's true actually i never even considered <laughs> i i think like from from the animation standpoint i'm i'm to be clear, I'm going all over the place, but I am such a perfectionist. I hold myself to this, this really high standard. And that's again why sometimes I'll start down a path or I'll start making something and I'll be like, but it's not good enough and then I'll quit. And I, I'm, I'm trying to like avoid doing that so much because I feel like I've got great ideas and, and a lot of potential and I just want to keep growing with it. So even if like, like you said, it's not, you know, technically proficient, I'm not, making Akira <laughs> necessarily um I'm, but it's it's so beautiful and it's like it's you know especially like to have characters that are like that look like us I feel like animated that's something really inspiring so I'm, I'm still definitely going down the path and learning like the best way to execute it but that's a, that's always something I knew I wanted to be a part of the show because it's supposed to be like light playful almost childlike so <laughs> yeah I think it all it all comes off very intentional and um I'm excited you have to put your uh baby biscuit McGee hat on when you're doing your editing and so you have that little voice that's like just do it Brie you got it like <laughs> the people love it we want more um so talking more I want to talk more about your process and kind of um what like inspires your programming or not even necessarily the program because we kind of talked about that but like when you when you kind of sit down to prepare for an episode or or a sketch or a character or something like that a bit um what does your art practice and process look like when you're preparing writing or the performance of it or um i'm even really curious about the set design i, I love set design and i enjoy doing 
um, set design and staging and things like that. So I want to know about like what your process looks like when you're preparing for an episode from the uh, from the written content to the visual content to maybe guests that you have on. And then a side note in that is, did your uh, experience studying technical theater, or not did, but how, I guess, did your experience studying technical theater at Sinclair and then animation, I believe, you, or I think it was animation or something like that at Wright State. Yeah. Like, how does all that come together when you're like, all right, now I have my own show and I have this, these uh, degrees and this experience and my own personal interest in cultural, you know, connections. And here we go. What does that look like? Whew, man. Okay. Like the, the process, I feel like when I'm writing sketches, I, I just think about things that I care about. Um, mm -hmm. I wrote a sketch that I, I should definitely be featured in this next coming season. It's called Just a Vaccine. And it's basically like um, a, a torrent of voices coming from a certain community, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, why don't black people get vaccinated? Aren't you getting vaccinated? You should get vaccinated, da da da, -da. I had written this really early on in the pandemic, mind you. And I'm, I'm not anti-vaccine, <laughs> to be clear. I'm not like, oh, don't get vaccinated. But I, I feel like oftentimes people will say, get vaccinated, and that's the end of the conversation about her in the black community. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. I'm really looking forward to this, to this sketch. Sorry. Keep going. I'm, I just got really excited. Well, yeah, but no. And that's, that's one thing that kind of like stuck with me where it's like, okay, well, we also need health clinics and we also need like mental health programs and resources and just like other things mm -hmm. um, besides the vaccine. And so that's, that's one sketch. Uh, just, I think things come to me in terms of like feeling marginalized like in the workplace feeling like microaggressed I wrote a sketch called El Chico Blanco that one we just recorded um and it's like you take this little white pill and you become a white man so that you're finally like heard in the workplace it's, it's like <laughs> so that's that's another one we did because it's I was just getting tired of feeling like and I'm sure so many people can relate to I don't know it's like people just not listening, people all the time not believing you know what you know, yeah. simply because of like, you're a woman, you're a black person. Mm -hmm. So I feel like a lot of times when I'm writing the sketches, it's coming from that place of like, uh, I'm frustrated by something. I, I, I wish we could speak about this one thing that nobody's talking about. And that that's kind of where the writing process comes from. I think like you mentioned with set design and theater, it really did inspire me. It really did help me when I was planning, because originally our set design was like just this kind of like chair that I really like. It's in the prop room at DATV. Mm -hmm. um, it's like that wicker chair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like- My so. grandma has one in her, like we were um, doing some just cleaning or whatever and we were in the basement picking some things that we could use for uh, something else. And she has a beautiful one sitting and I was like, She's like, yeah, I just know what to do with it. I was like, uh, it's mine now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I love that. But like, even, even that, just like being drawn to that, but eventually we kind of stepped it up to like, okay, now we have like these colorful little balls and we have this like little Hello Kitty, kitty blanket. And I try and shoot these little slim pars, little par cans through like a screen just to try and make it more colorful, more playful. And even in, in, in hopefully years to come, we've like, 
build sets and it's like oh there's a giant banana back here or like whatever the case may be because I, I just love to just like build different worlds and like I said the set design and the lighting design back at Sinclair Theater really helped me in that way um, and then yeah to speak to like being at Rice State I took an animation course with Lindsay Martin and that's really kind of like the foundation for me of like how I started to animate Prior to that, it was just a lot of doodles in my journal. It was just me sketching a lot of stuff. But then I started to learn how to like use these programs. So now I'm trying to apply it, apply it, apply it, and just get more content out. Because I'll be honest, sometimes I don't feel very consistent. Sometimes I get a little overwhelmed. <laughs> sometimes I like take a huge hiatus. And I think especially for season three, I just wanted to come out on a very consistent schedule. And be like every month there's a brand new baby biscuit town. And I don't overthink it. And I just release <laughs> on the same page <laughs> like it sounds like from what I'm hearing from you what you shared is like similar to me I didn't expect this to be a podcast it just it it came about and uh and I tend to overthink I have definitely held myself to perfection of standards of what it should be and what it should sound like and and all the things and um and I'm finally at a point similar to what you share where I'm just like, I'm kind of moving past that and just getting back to just, just have fun with it and don't overthink it. Obviously be intentional about it, be, have fun with it, but like, don't overthink it. Um, I don't need to rush to get things out, but I don't need to like hold myself back either. <laughs> um, and like we're doing, I'm doing a lot of work behind the scenes for season three also for us to be more consistent, um, both with our just like little content and stuff that we'll share on social as well as like our, our um, uploading schedule and having that be consistent monthly. So we're it's in hard. together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like, I, I'm like, I already love your show so much. Do you, were you inspired by Janet Jackson's song? Is this why it's called Pleasure Principle? I wasn't actually inspired by the song, but like definitely the phrases from that from the song. Um, it wasn't like I was listening to the song and I thought of it. I, I honestly was just inspired by like, um, I think, so I started this last summer and uh, during, you know, COVID during the pandemic and everything, but also just following just my own journey of self-discovery and self-care and self-identity and confidence within all of that and depth within all of that. Um, and pleasure and desire just became like a theme between like 2018, 19 and 2020 of what guided me to like spend time with the things that I love to do, which was like create art. And it wasn't something that I always felt comfortable with like sharing or leading with. Um, and we can talk about that another time. I would, <laughs> Cause we are, I'm sure we can maybe have some things we can, you know, resonate with, but it just took me a while ago. I've always been creative, always knew I wanted to be creative and enjoyed being creative, but I didn't necessarily honor my own artist practice. Um, hmm. I just felt like, you know, I can be of support to other people and I can just kind of be in the vicinity of, cre of creativity, but I didn't deserve to like act, like really kind of lead my own creativity, if that like makes any sense. So it was just a whole brain fuck, honestly. It wasn't anything that honestly stood with it with when I started to like honestly sit with it. It was just really, it was a lack of representation. It was a lack of confidence. And 
and just feeling like I didn't deserve it. I don't know, like I like as I, as a young black queer girl, I just didn't see black queer woman artist. Um, not that they didn't exist, but I just didn't see it at the time. And so I just didn't know like it wasn't even really something I considered. It wasn't something that I necessarily was like, I can't be an artist. I just never considered that I would, that I could be <laughs> like a full-time artist. And then once that it started to come and once I did get um, access to more representation and visibility and other art mediums that I enjoyed and other art styles that really spoke to me and I was like, I can do that or I think I can do that or I want to try to do that. Um, then there was this, you know, thing, this barrier of, you can do it for play, but like, it won't be like something serious. And so it just took a while for me to navigate all of that. And um, anyways, fast forward, themes of pleasure and desire really just helped me to like hone that and, and hone and just like name and claim that I enjoy doing art. I want to do art. I want to be an artist. I want to be around artists <laughs> like all of this. I still want to support artists, but I also want to have my own art practice and I want to share the things that I, you know, dream and see in the vision that I have. And um, yeah, and just using like pleasure and desire as tools to help me just really claim that. And so um, this, like I said, started as like a conversation series on Instagram Live during uh, quarantine and everything and I was just thinking of like a name that I wanted to to have um, I didn't have a, like a full mission and everything but I knew I wanted to talk to artists about their care and their self-discovery and their art practice because um, I just felt like that wasn't always intersected when I would listen to other like artist panels and conversations it would strictly just be about like the art and a lot of times it would be at these like white institutions that we all like know and love and you know I enjoyed hearing the conversation and being like able to that was kind of like my master's program or uh in a sense of getting to hear from artists directly um and so I loved what I did get to know but in those institutions and in those spaces there is a certain format that's only allowed or or kind of used more often to discuss art and I feel like there was just other angles that could be discussed and so I just came up really with that name I don't really remember like this particular aha moment but um I was like pleasure principles and obviously like the phrase is from the Janet Jackson song and so that's a bit of like uh it but I haven't even like listened to the song like since naming it wasn't like I was listening to it or once I named it I listened to the song to see if it matched I just was like these are kind of different I guess I was just connecting it to various artists and our practices and whether individually, you know, the artists that I would speak to connected to pleasure, these are ways of our pleasure and our desire and our self-care and our um, freedom and our liberation, like all of that for me was under the umbrella of pleasure. So, and then, yeah, so that's how that all came about. <laughs> that is so interesting. I oversimplified it. Your reasoning makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Please oversimplify. I, I might be over. <laughs> I might be over. What, what did it come off to you as? I'm curious. Uh, man, I I had no idea. That's the one thing that came to mind. But when you put it that way about like, okay, just claiming it being like, I am an artist and I, I, I love making art and I can, I can not just support other people's artistry, but also just like 
like you said, honor your own artist practice. Like I'm taking notes actually, because <laughs> I feel like we're in the same boat of like, oh, I didn't yeah. see a like brown queer woman doing this sort of thing. So I didn't think it could happen. And it's like, yeah. well, but it can. And it's really like, it's so refreshing to see more of us out here doing it. So yeah. And it's happening. I mean, once like I, like I was able to like open the door, we have so many like black, um, black artists, black women artists, black queer artists, like ancestors living. And so like that definitely helped me to claim it because I was like, now, wait a minute, this isn't nothing new. Like I might not have known it at 15, 16, 17, but like, this isn't anything new. We've been doing this. This is very much part of our cultural fabric. Like we are part of the threads just as much as, you know, anyone else. So that really helped me to be like, I'm not one of one. Um, I am one of one as Toby, but like I'm part of a, a bigger, you know, a much bigger history and future of Black artists and Black women artists and Black queer artists. And um, yeah, I just, I think that kind of stuff helped me to really dispel the lies that I had uh, either seen or had been told or had been telling myself. And then once I was able to, I'm someone like with once the truth is there, it's hard for me to ignore it. <laughs> so mm. once those lies became dispelled, now I just was sitting with the truth of like, okay, I could be artist. And then the, so now what's now what's the the barrier? And it's like, well, I guess I have to put some time towards this and like invest in some supplies and build community and share it. And that was hard. So I'm going to be tapping into my baby biscuit Mickey too when I'm feeling like ah, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So okay, so we've talked about how Baby Biscuit Town came to you, some of your process. Also, I want to know, can I audition to be on your um your set design team when you start to do that? <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> I would I would yes. <laughs> I would gladly stand in line and audition. Um, yeah, I just love your show. I think it's really cool. So I'm curious with, um, you spoke about how you prepare for some of the content that you begin to write and that you usually kind of pick up on themes that you've experienced, um, microaggressions, funny things, political things in the larger sphere. Um, what are some other values and interests that inform your work as an artist? Um, and and inform your project with Baby Biscuit Town? Oh, great question. Um, I definitely feel like protecting Black women is a big one. Um, that's something I want to incorporate in the, in, in, into some future episodes. That's what I really like to do, like a round table on um, like sexual assault survivors or, or like how to get comprehensive sex ed in, in schools, like something to kind of like move the needle as far as how we even think about these things. Cause too often it's like, it's, it's, it's painful. So it's, it's like buried and we just, we don't talk about it. Nothing good really comes of it. Like, it's just like, so I kind of want to like, okay, how can we progress and like, you know, transform this. And so our society can just look at it differently. And maybe these things don't happen as frequently. Um, I definitely like empowering Brown people economically, I think is important to me. I want to see more of us own homes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. For the listeners who can't see, I'm, I'm making it rain. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> so, visually. Visually making it rain. <laughs> Um, that that's that's really big for me um that's something I want to like just 
discuss and emphasize and like how to make generational wealth, which is like, you know, it's that's that's a tall order, but that's I think what we're missing most. So that's that's really important. Um, what do I think? Just like encouraging those living with mental illness, um, yeah. like trying to detach that stigma and letting us know that we're all normal, like, or we're all like there is no normal, really. <laughs> like not at all so I definitely want to like encourage people like if you have anxiety if you you know I'm saying bipolar like whatever the case may be diagnosed or undiagnosed if you're just feeling this way and you're not sure because not everybody's seen the doctor necessarily but they know like oh I can't leave the house without this chest pain whatever the case may be yeah yeah like I, I I just want those people to feel supported and 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 acknowledged um what other Thing. I think just like speaking out against like um, police brutality, the prison industrial complex, mm-hmm. um, just thinking like we, we got to move away from punishment in this country, especially because we are really good for just incarcerating people right yeah. off the bat. And we incarcerate more people than any other nation. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's supposed to be the land of the free <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not really adding up. So I think that is not thing at all. At all. <laughs> so, um, but those are the things that I feel particularly adamant about, and things I like to incorporate. But I'm open to ideas because I'm like, maybe you know, of course, you know, definitely LGBT um, themes and th- um, you know, just support in that regard. But I'm I'm open to stuff because I I always like to be inspired by other people and to you know just take ideas from folks and be like yeah, that'd be a great idea for a segment or we should do a discussion on that too. So yeah, those all are very important and um, yeah, I think I don't know. I feel like sometimes as society or individually we cannot understand or we can make it harder than what it is to see how art can impact these, you know, big themes and these um, these societal like moments. And art has so much to do with that. Um, and I, that's why I just love how you intersect those things. And I um, playful, but straight to the point, and and straight from the from the people kind of like approach. Um, I'm curious on, this was a question I had up earlier, but you kind of brought up when you're talking about your values and interests, how, or if, if it does, um, how does your black queer identity play into or inform your approach uh, just individually or as an artist or with Baby Biscuit Town? Um, was that, hmm. and I guess I'm curious, like, did you grow up here in Dayton? Or in Trotwood, you know, and then I went to like school in Dayton and I've worked in Dayton for a while. So I guess yeah, so you're I, I'm, I'm trying to decide which one to claim. But yeah, it's like both. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just in the in the general uh, vicinity. So, um, yeah, I'm just curious, like how has. Um, I don't know, I think for me, I, I guess, let me for me, my black queerness definitely is something that uh, informs 
me and my just my pride, my approach to things, the intersections that I consider, the identities that I consider, and that plays into just my collaborations or artwork or just day-to-day -day things. Um, maybe not specific pieces and things like that, but it does inform my life. And um, I think that was something that I wasn't able to as much practice or exercise as a young queer child in Dane, just because the community and the visibility of that wasn't um, strong and maybe it's changed and it's only been three months that I've been back. So I have to see that for myself. But um, I remember just like being in, in like in college or moving to um, New York City and just seeing the, the breadth of community and not even in a sense of, uh, um, not, I would say not only, so we had like, uh, you know, an exclusive community, but it was also very integrated just in day-to-day -day life. And I think that was very impactful for me to see, um, especially Black queerness, because for a moment there was only this, uh, again, to speak from my perspective, like this view of like uh, queerness only in relation to like white queerness, which is is very different, like being Black <laughs> than than. Uh, like black queerness is not white queerness. And there are obviously similar things under the umbrella that all humans can speak to and attest to and touch on. Um, but there is uh, just how we were talking about like black artists and black women artists and the history of that. There's such a history of uh, black queerness uh, in general and also black queer artists. And just curious like how that uh, was able to blossom, I guess, within you and if that, impacted your work at all I think I think it has slowly but surely even because like sometimes I'm still trying to like really own that I think that's where the baby buns the freak character came is like she's got a really good grasp on it and she's like there and maybe Brie isn't quite but yeah. it, it it does inspire me and it, it it's like I don't know it's, it's always kind of been like a thing where I guess I kept it hidden for a while because I didn't think of it as like, oh, it just doesn't matter one way or another who I love. But then yeah. I was like, well, it kind of does because it's something I'm really passionate about. <laughs> and so it's love. <laughs> exactly. So love is not this, you know, yeah. this quiet per se thing all the time, sometimes. You're right. You're right. And it's like, it, it can be, it's like a part of my identity. So I'm really, I'm learning to embrace it more and I'm learning to put it into the show more. Um, I have my girlfriend, Coco, she'll like help me. She's like crew on the shows a lot now. And that's really exciting. I know last season, like she, I, she was one of the people I interviewed. Um, and that was like a really cool episode, but I'm, I'm trying to think of thoughtful ways to incorporate it. I, I know you've probably saw the uh, gay shit I love little segment. <laughs> which I really enjoyed doing because these are all movies or TV or just like things that I guess, you know, books and stuff aren't as well known or maybe not as focused on or however the case may be. Just to your point about like sometimes gayness, the immediate thought is white male and, you know, that's, they are gay too. You know, there's gay white men, but then there's like gay black women and there's, there's like, it's, it's like kind of like a totally different world because ultimately they're gay and that's a minority group but they're white men and that's like a, no. <laughs> not a minority group so it's it, it, you're gonna just get like two totally different perspectives I think in terms of that so I think speaking to that lens of the like 
black female queer or 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 just you know just minority queer like because I hate to say you know female male to be frank with you sometimes that's why I kind of created the character Little Happy Howie I kind of want something a little more non-binary myself so (laughs) again it's like you know if Bree's not there the characters help her to like get there you know so that's definitely an inspiration yes it is my personal political thought that by nature, Black people are non-binary just by nature because this system of gender wasn't even uh, created with us in mind. And I don't think we need to force ourselves in it, especially if it doesn't naturally call you, uh, or not only naturally, but if it doesn't call your name, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> but um, yeah, we are, as Black people, we're on our own spectrum of of identity and, and love and self-expression and I think like you were saying with the clip art, lean into it. I use I use that as a magic power uh, for myself, for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think we're gonna kind of come into the end, ending of our conversation. We're not at the end just yet, but I do wanna ask before we move into fire round and um, kind of our last statements, how have you had to affirm yourself this past year and this current year? Um, whether that's like your care practices or your art practices. Um, and it might've been maybe inspired by previous years, but I think just particular to what we've lived through and what we're living through between last year and this year. Um, there's certainly, at least on my end, was a lot of self-talk and <laughs> affirmation or research or rest or all kind of different tools that I really had to tap into to, you know, chug along day by day or week by week, month by month, and um, and still create and still find joy and still find, you know, foresight for my future. Um, so what are some ways you've had to affirm yourself this year and last year? And what did that look like for you? Man, it's, it's like, it's a process, obviously, like everything, like I've had to affirm, I've had to just reckon with myself too often. I'm like giving to other people or I'm supporting other people and I'm not taking care of myself. So I have to kind of readjust in that regard where it's like, too often I'll make excuses. Like if it's about me, I'm like, oh, I'll get to it later. Or, you know, it's too expensive or no, I can't do that because I have to do X and X pertains to someone else. But it's like, I've got to try and make sure that self-care is kind of like more priority, more prominent. Um, But when when it comes to like taking that time to actually do it, I'd definitely like to be in nature. I feel like getting to just like take a hike, take a walk um you know I'm saying maybe ride my bike you know just just getting outside is like super big getting in the sunlight same that's exactly it's like really really important um as far as a care practice I like to do yoga um I like to do yoga outside especially (laughs) um um, I think you know this year I had to take some time I've been in therapy um I'm still still narrowing narrowing down the right therapist but at the same time I've, I've just been in therapy you know trying to just talk it out or journal it out or just you know <clears throat> definitely acknowledge like I got a lot up here <laughs> and sometimes it's good to kind of you know un, untangle that um and 
man, I think also to affirm kind of like what you were speaking about earlier, just like owning this artist thing. Like I can't keep going back and forth and being like, oh, art is just my hobby and I've got this part-time job and well, I can never make a living off of art or I can never be fully what I've got to embrace it. Yeah. I gotta go big. Yeah. Oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to me nice, Brie. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Therapy is Therapy is like dating, like finding the right therapist, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. okay, I got to tell you all this. We got to make sure this is right. Um, but like you said, it's great just having the practice of sharing and having someone listen and having some kind of game plan or a couple of steps, tools or practices that you can use to help uh, maintain or like, you know, it's like, it's our maintenance. It's part of our maintenance. Exactly as humans on this wild ass planet. (laughs) (laughs) Wild as hell. Wild as hell. So we're moving into fire round. All right. These are some this or that questions. Um, And then I have like finish the sentence. So you don't necessarily have to go like super fast, but it's just fire round. (laughs) So. Can't wait. Public television or your digital platforms, which one do you prefer, like, or if there's a difference? Honestly, digital platforms, even though I yeah. appreciate and love public television, I'm, I'm on YouTube all the time. Oh, me too. <laughs> YouTube. Uh, YouTube, if you're listening, feel free to sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, feel free. <laughs> so since, uh, you know, it's Baby Biscuit Town, I have to have throw in some, some, bread related questions so buttermilk biscuits or cornbread which one you might kill me but cornbread <laughs> no I'm not killing you at all <laughs> I love both so you're you're on my side either way yeah I, d- I definitely like cornbread and like beans I feel like sometimes it's not that you you get a good buttermilk biscuit sometime but then like too often it's like super starchy and no flavor I literally had so <laughs> so I know we had we were celebrating my grandmother um her birthday was last week and so we we're celebrating her on Sunday and someone brought some leaves and um I saw I didn't know where the I saw someone had a biscuit I didn't know where the biscuit came from but when I saw a biscuit I was like oh I'm gonna get a biscuit so when I walked in and I saw this for me I was like I used to love leaves like way back in the day but I honestly haven't had leaves like in it's been over a decade um but I wanted a biscuit, and so I got a biscuit and put some honey on, and um, ended up not finishing it. And my partner Jasmine was like, something like, "Oh, did you like the biscuit?" And I was like, "They weren't as good as I remember." Explain <laughs> what it was. I said doughy, but I was like, "It wasn't doughy, but that's what it was. It was starchy with no flavor." Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like the honey was trying to like add some flavor, but it wasn't hitting. And like, <laughs> you know, that's why I can't even. I want to keep the memories of when I um, was eating leaves and it was good. I just want to keep those good memories and not mess it up. So yeah, just keep it pure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as artists, you know, we kind of work from multiple different places at time, just depending on what the week or the day or the month looks like. So what's your, your favorite or preference, work from home or co-working space? You know, I think sometimes I feel more productive in a co-working space. When I get out of the house, I already feel like more productive. I had to get dressed and I had to like, it It, it just works better. But 
it's but so I would I would I would say co-working space but then the caveat to that is like my real setup for editing is at home so I kind of get like the meat and potatoes of it done at home Mm -hmm. but then like I can get more easily distracted back there too so (laughs) it's interesting cool I would love to see your uh, editing setup I I think I have like a similar thing like I have a small like temporary studio space that I'm well not small per se but a studio space that I'm working out of and then but I also love to work at home and so it's just like it just depends on what I'm doing like what the particular part of of what I'm doing um because I do love to work at my little table at home and and have I already have my things and I have my setup but um I think the temporary space I have now, like, want to take advantage of that. And so I try oh, yeah. to go there. I feel you. That's okay. Dope. This is a, um, because I'm, I'm childish and <laughs> I love little goofy ratchet things like this. So um, I don't know if you ever played the game, like, uh, what is this? Smash, Smash, Mary Kill. Like, have you heard of that game? Yes. Yeah, so this, this is a more mature, this is my version of it being more mature. So, um, so it's Smash, Mary business meeting. So I have three people and you have to choose who you smash, who you marry, and who you're going to take a business meeting with. So I have Ava DuVernay, Lena Waithe, and Issa Rae. Smash, Mary business meeting. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's hard because I want a business meeting with all three of them. <laughs> but then you're like, okay, <laughs> smash Mary business meeting. Maybe I'll maybe I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and marry Lena Waith. I don't know if she's involved right now, but I know Issa Rae just got married. And so I don't know if that's an option. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll marry Lena Waith. I, oh, geez. I guess I'll... Ah, I guess I'll smash Issa Rae and then like business meeting with Ava DuVernay. But it's like all three of them, I could totally just like pick their brain. I'd love to have a lunch with them. I'd love to be in a room with them. So it's like, hey, well, <laughs> in with each of them. So that, you know, they, they're in similar circles. Maybe you can make your way through. Maybe like, one day. Talk. Right, one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I can't wait to play this back one day when you're doing work with Ava, Elena, Issa. We go like, we claimed it, Owen. What is today? September yes. 28th at 312 p.m. We claimed it. We did it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was thinking about your character, Baby, Bis- Baby Biscuit McGee, when I wrote this. So fro or braids? Mm, that's a great one. I like that one. It can also be for Brie. Hmm. Okay, so for me, braids. And you see, I have these like little chunky twists today, but it's like, I don't know how to personally do cornrows. So I have to have, I have to make an appointment. But when I do make said appointment, I leave them in for a good month or more. I just don't like to always be bothered with my hair. But then there are those moments and those times where you just want to go full Diana Ross and you just want to make a really dramatic statement. So I love and appreciate the Afro. That's why I haven't locked my hair and I'm tempted. <laughs> but yeah. I think most of the time be braids. Yes, I love full Diana Ross. And Brie has a beautiful fro, if I might say myself. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love your too. Thank you. Last question for this or that. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Night owl. Yeah. I love early birds, though. The morning time is so refreshing and it's wonderful, but I re- I really do stay up late. It's more me. 
I feel it, I feel it. So these last are finish the sentence questions. So I don't go anywhere without. Mm. Honestly, gum. <laughs> I don't go anywhere without. Um, try to always bring my wallet. I get... I want to say my glasses, but then, oh man. Okay. That's like, what do I never go anywhere without? There's no limit. You can, you can pick more than one thing. <laughs> okay. Well, I, if, if there's a top three, I definitely need my wallet, my glasses and some water. And some water. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're packing your gum. What flavor? Oh, just, what do I, just your regular spearmint. Spearmint. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> My magic sauce is magic sauce, like a like actual sauce or just it can be magic sauce, it can be debris sauce, it can be your your baby biscuit town sauce. Um hmm. like what's your superpower? What's your magic sauce? My magic sauce. I think like going into my own little world. Mm-hmm. I don't maybe that's not a magic. I, I think of it as a magic sauce because it's like if ever I feel like oh, this place isn't for me or I don't fit in or like I'm being neglected or I'm being microaggressed. I'm like, that's cool. I'm used to it. And I kind of just go off to myself and just start thinking up ideas and imagining things. And that's where like half the show came from. So it's like just creating my own little world. That's my magic sauce. Yeah, that's definitely a magic sauce. I mean, honestly, that's all of our magic sauce. If we can just tap more into our intrinsic self and, you know, get close with that, we are nine times out of 10 going to be, you know, good standing. Um, so thank you for sharing. So this is the last one and this one's specific to you. So okay. I got to get my, <clears throat> my throat together I'm gonna <laughs> stay a little bit and then you have to finish it. If you remember, hopefully you do. Okay. <laughs> okay. You do. Throw it back, throw it back, take a nap. You're at my house. Just relax. Do you really want to back out? I bet you baby buns can really blow your back out. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That was lovely. <laughs> I was like, I really hope that um you know what I'm t- referring to. I, I assumed, but I was just like <laughs> that was lovely. That was a baby bones the freak rap. It's called Little Dyke Ass Nigga. And we ju- we just put that out and I feel really good about it because it's like it's like stuff I'll be writing in my notepad at 2 a.m. and thinking, I'll never say this out loud. But then I do. And I'm glad I did. <laughs> I'm going have a whole TV show now. I'm definitely saying this out loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's when I became a big fan of um, Baby Buns with Freak. I was like, that's my bitch right there. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Thank you. Well, thank you, Bree. Today's conversation was effing amazing. It's been awesome to get to know you more. I know we had small talks just seeing each other out and about. Um, so I'm really happy to have you on and get to know more about you and about your work and about your projects and about your show. Um, so thank you for being on and just being so transparent and walking us through a little bit of what it looks like to produce your art and what it looks like in your head to get it all out and your care and your self-discovery. We really appreciate it. And I really appreciate it. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. This has been, I needed this. This was like, wow. Like Toby, your program is so awesome. Thank you so much for these great questions. It's been like, it just energized my battery. (laughs) 
good. Oh my God, that makes me so happy to hear. Um, we already said where everyone can follow you at baby underscore biscuit underscore town on Instagram. And just give us your name again on YouTube. Is it Baby Biscuit Town on YouTube? Baby Biscuit Town on YouTube, Free Hope or Baby Biscuit Town on Facebook. Um, yeah, just just come and watch and let let me know what you think. Love, hater, indifferent. <laughs> We look forward to it. And as we shared, um, season two is underway and they're preparing for season three. So definitely support this uh, current season and the previous season. And we are so excited uh, for what season three is to look like. And we can't wait for the rest of the um, episodes for the end of this year. Thank you for being on and I wish you a beautiful rest of your week. Thank you so much. You too. Take care. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode, hope you learned something new, felt something more deeply, or was able to see yourself in a new light. Give us a follow on Instagram. You can find us at pleasureprinciples.art. And if you're interested in partnerships or collaborative experiences, please email us at beautyasametaphor at gmail.com. Go ahead and follow us on Spotify. Check out the previous episodes and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Talk to you next time. Take care.